Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome back. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have um, good life habits that you can learn for free in 30 days or less. I thought New Year, mm-hmm. people are looking for this kind of shit. Yeah. So, first one, these are just suggestions. And, you know, like, start small. These are good start small things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, try the two-minute rule. If something on your mind or on your to-do list takes, takes less than two minutes, do it while it's on your mind or immediately. You will find yourself being way more productive. Again, it's very small things. Two minutes or less. Well, if just, I don't do it within two minutes, I'll forget yeah, it. Yeah, like, totally. Me so. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> okay, enjoy a relaxing sunset walk. It's cooler, more peaceful, and a great way to get exercise and some fresh air. Not to mention the deeper sleep once you get back. Uh, learn to set a bedtime for yourself. I need to do this one, big time. Going to bed at a reasonable hour. Uh, wake up early in the morning to see what you can accomplish. This is assuming you go to bed in a reasonable hour. <laughs> uh, be kind to strangers. You'd be surprised how much it can help someone. You don't know what someone is going through. You also don't know if someone is a total dick. That's true. But I try to be nice to everyone. Oh, yeah. I to- I'm, I'm nice to everyone until they give me a reason not to. Yeah. Uh, take a moment and get your head, get a head start on your dishes. So just rinse them out right after you use them. Carve out time to clean each day. When you get home, take 10, 15 minutes and clean something. Every day, clean something different. I did that for a while. Then I started getting sick (laughs) and stopped. But that makes a huge difference. Literally set your timer for 15 minutes and clean something. And it's, it's like crazy how much you can get I need done. to do that with exercise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, make your bed each morning. I love to do this. I, I really, like, especially when I was a stay-at-home mom more so than now, I made my bed every morning. I loved it. <clears throat> it's just nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, love to shop. Consider taking up couponing before making your next purchase. It says, I don't care if you're a millionaire, coupons can save you so much money. Don't just cut the ones out of the paper either. The internet has coupons for tons of products that you most likely already buy. I just don't think about it. I'll get coupons. Mm-hmm. I, I'll decide I'm going to do coupons. Yeah. And then I totally forget about yeah, them when too. I go to the store. Me too. That's or I left them at home. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And by the time I look at them, they're expired. Yes, exactly. Oh. Uh, track your calories. You don't even necessarily have to change your eating habits. Just track everything you eat as accurately as you can. You'll get a better idea of what your eating habits actually are. I can tell you what mine. <laughs> yeah, mine aren't great. <laughs> I would if I if I wrote down everything I eat, that would just make me sad. So I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, get in some extra steps by taking the stairs. Taking the stairs instead of an escalator or elevator, you'll look back later on and be glad. That simple habit did wonders, which I don't take steps ever, so. Yeah, I don't either. There's nowhere for me to take. Everything's one level for me. Very boring. 
Uh, step away and take a break from social media for a little while. Disconnecting from social media for a bit, taking breaks from Facebook and Twitter can be refreshing and helpful for your attitude. That is very true. I don't do any of that, so. Well, I, like, social media in general, like, I just try to avoid it. So I have it. It just makes me sad. A lot. <laughs> um, always hugged your loved ones. It's healthy for both of you. Start exercising for 10 to 15 minutes a day. 20 crunches, squats, push-ups, lunges, etc. a day. A small amount of exercise, if repeated, can have a noticeable effect on your body and your mind. Taking 10-15 minutes in the morning or evening to work on yourself is a great habit to form. I need to do that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, stay hydrated throughout the day. I also need to do that. Avoid drama by not getting yourself involved. Mind your own business. I do that. Yes, I do that. I do a lot of these things. Uh, make a point to create a budget so you can start saving money. It's a massive stress relief to know exactly how much money you'll have uh, bearing any emergency. Barring. Ditch sipping on soda for another alternative to, to quench your thirst. Uh, this has helped me immensely, especially at restaurants with endless refills. You can take in tons of sugar and three or four hundred calories without even noticing. That's definitely mm -hmm. true. Oh, yeah. And finally, uh, recognize all of the things you are grateful in, in, grateful for in life. Every night before you go to sleep, think of five things you are genuinely grateful for. It can take work on uh, absolutely shitty days, but being able to consciously acknowledge positive things in your life can do wonders for your daily frame of mind. It's a really, sim really simple but, remind but reminding yourself to take time to be grateful for things and people and experiences in your everyday life can give you more positive outlook on things. Cool. So just, you know, if you want, <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> It really does make a difference. The hard part is sticking to it. Yes. Okay, I have a dumb joke. Uh, did you go to the TV repairman's wedding? No. The reception was excellent. Oh my god. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Okay. I have something else. I don't know where it is. Yeah. Okay. So now I have um, people reveal dark secrets that their family have kept under wraps. Ooh. So my aunt robbed the bank she used to work for. She then had to sell her apartment to pay the money back. The same aunt was caught cheating by her husband in the same bank. She was from a small town, so it was a scandal. The funny thing is that she is the last person you would sus suspect of to do those things, but she did. Hmm. Uh, two, my grandma's best friend slept with my granddad 30 years ago, and yes, they are still friends. What? My uncle seemed to never like this woman being in my grandma's house, so I asked him why, and then he told me the entire story. Sadly, my granddad died eight years ago. Oh my gosh. Oh, damn, what a forgiving person. I know. Uh, three, my uncle gave up his kids for adoption because his new wife didn't like kids. Uh. They were old enough to know he was their dad. He just straight up abandoned them. We never met these cousins. He never talks about them, and most people don't know he has kids. My other uncle had three marriages, and because of his infidelity, all of his kids have different moms. 
My sister's biological father is that uncle's best friend and not our dad's. But we're the assholes if we bring it up. <laughs> Whatever. Oh my gosh. That's Jeez. crazy. Uh, four, I had a cousin I was never told about that was ripped to pieces by a bear and died. My sister and I always got yelled at for making jokes about bears killing people, and we never knew why. We eventually found out because of World of Warcraft. A World of Warcraft player posted a meme about how skinning a bear should aggro every bears. Should aggro every bears. Huh? Skinning a bear should aggro every bears. <laughs> okay. And my sister and I were running that joke into the ground. That's a bad joke. Yes, it is. I thought mine was bad. Uh, our mom started screaming at us about the bears and finally let it slip that a bear killed our cousin. And that's why bear, atta bear attacks were off the table as far as jokes went. <laughs> oh, my God. That's horrible. <laughs> I'm talking about the bear attack, not the joke. Well, the joke's bad, too, but... <laughs> Uh, my great-grandfather ran a racket s selling stolen coal and hiding the money by burying land, by buying land and part of a hotel in Florida. My family found out after he died when the other hotel owners wanted to buy out my great-grandmother's share of the hotel. She ended up with the whole hotel and then sold it and the land a few years later. Ooh, nice. Uh, how she did it still isn't known because the kids didn't know anything about it until after she died. Huh. Weird. Wonder what happened. Six, my grandmother told me on her deathbed that my dad has a daughter from another woman. To finally drop that juicy gossip without worrying about the consequences. Holy <laughs> shit. Can we just take a second and acknowledge Betty White died? Oh, I know. Oh, my God. It's so sad. Like, tear for fucking everyone. That sucks. I did see a meme on it that um, they were like, Betty White did not die. She sacrificed herself, took 2021 by the balls, and said, you're fucking coming with me. <laughs> Oh, if only that were true. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Next one. My great-grandmother did a few years in jail for bootlegging, and my grandfather, 12 at the time, had to raise his three younger sisters until she got out. Oh, That sucks. Uh, eight, when I was in seventh grade, I was in a car with my mom, and we got into a terrible car accident. I was the only one injured. When the cops and EMTs came, I just kept repeating what she had told me, namely that the guy she ran into was driving with his lights off and that she wasn't at fault. I found out years later that she was hooked on painkillers and she was fucked up out of her mind at the time. I was in the hospital after my own horrible car accident. My parents were in the room and they thought I was asleep because my eyes were bandaged shut and I wasn't talking. My dad mentioned that at least this time she wasn't responsible for almost killing me because she was too fucked up to keep her eyes open. Oh. Oh my gosh. That's fucked up. It sounds like she got back on track, like, you know, yeah. on the right track, though, so that's good. Well, almost killing your child yeah, that pro would probably do it. Some people, though, it wouldn't. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, nine, my great-grandparents were very poor in Missouri back in the 1940s and 50s. They had 11 kids. 
Apparently, my great-grandfather would make my grandmother and great-aunts sleep with his friends for money. Uh. My great-grandmother allowed it to happen. What? Because of this, none of the older female children of my great-grandparents would refer to them as mom or dad. It was strictly on first-name basis. Ugh. Uh. Horrible. Horrible. What the hell is wrong with people? People are fucked up. See, those assholes wouldn't give a shit if they almost killed fucking pieces of shit. Uh, I'm not supposed to know that the father I grew up with is not my biological father. My sister, in a vindictive moment, spilled the beans that I was born through an in vitro fertilization. I was sad for about a week, but it hasn't troubled me since then. I've had a great father for 20 years and still do, which is more than some people can say. Mm -hmm. So that's good. I don't know why they wouldn't just tell him, though. Yeah. Like, like what? Why keep, why keep that? Especially as someone that was 23? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my great-grandmother went to jail for killing my aunt's husband. He prostituted my aunt for years. My aunt shot herself in the chest with a shotgun, trying to kill herself over the whole thing, and she survived. I actually remember visiting her in the hospital when I was a kid. That's when my great-grandmother took matters into her own hands. She died six months later of ovarian cancer, literally days after being found guilty. So I think she figured she might as well take care of some things before she went. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. Yep. That's a badass. I love it. Yeah. My grandpa was married pretty early in life. Soon into his marriage, my, gran- my grandpa was having children with both my grandma and his wife. My grandma and his wife were sisters. Oh, my God. They each had about... They each says they each had about each children (laughs) so i don't know how many kids they are talking about but they had kids with him before his wife passed away in a car accident then he married my grandma and joined the families together Uh. not really sure how true this is but my mom's half siblings said one time my grandma and her family came to visit when he was about 14 my uncle said that my grandma's sister pulled him aside and told him to hide all the guns and knives in the house He didn't ask why, so we don't really know why. Maybe she was afraid my grandma would kill her own sister's husband. (laughs) Oh, my God. People are fucked up. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, 13, my grandfather sold my aunt, who had schizophrenia, for marriage to a guy who wanted citizenship. Oh. People suck. Found out one night that my mom planned to leave my abusive dad when I was super little. He was beating us all, making her work three jobs to pay the bills and his drug drug habit, and was just a bad time. My mom went to her sister and told her what my dad was doing and asked for help leaving. My aunt said, I don't believe you. Ah, what? My mom stayed another ten years because of that. Her own sister, hearing all about the abuse and dismissing it, really fucked my mom mentally. My mom didn't want us to know, so we would still have a good relationship with our aunt. Oh my god, what a piece of shit. You don't deserve that. No. God. This one is fucking... It makes my stomach hurt. It's so horrible. My grandfather raped my grandmother. She got pregnant, and the parents of both of them forced them to get married. They had eight kids. Oh, no. No. That had to have been a long time ago. It ha- oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping it was like the 1700s. <laughs> you know it wasn't. No. 
No. But Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Next one. My dad was paying child support for somebody that nobody knows. Found out only after he died. Oh. Holy shit. How old was this person that he was paying child support to? I'm so confused. (laughs) How old was the dad when he died? Yeah. Crazy. They didn't elaborate. Huh. So many questions. I know, right? Uh, my aunt is actually my half-sister. My mom had her in high school, and my grandparents legally adopted her as their own. Oh. I think that's happened a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it has. Uh, my father and mother have been separated as long as I can remember. My grandmother told me that when I was born, my father was still sleeping around. I have the features of both parents, so that lets me know that I was a final one-night stand before things ended for good. Well, that's good, I guess. Mm. Okay. I would still get a DNA test, though. That's just me. (laughs) Um, My dad slept with my CPS caseworker. No! What the fuck? Oh, my God. Next one. My aunt married my mother's rapist. They were close in age and were both interested in the same guy who grew up near them on another farm. When my mom was 15 or 16, she was hanging out with him, and he raped her. My aunt told everyone she was lying, and my grandparents believed her. My mom pressed charges anyway, and my aunt went to court to give him an alibi. He was acquitted, and my aunt went on to marry him and have a daughter with him. I believe he may have abused... I believe he may have abused her, too, because she turned to drugs pretty young. The entire family simply accepted him as a member and silenced any objections by my mother. They what had the to fuck? S- I know, right? They had to see him at she had to see him at family functions and pretend he never raped her in order to reconnect with her sister. Uh no. Yeah, no bye. I wouldn't have been going yeah. to any family functions. Yeah, no, period. No. It was a complete secret. I had actually liked this uncle. I only found out after she died when her husband got drunk and let everyone have it. Totally changed how I see my family. Um, my mother eventually killed herself. I strongly believe the rape and her family's subsequent acceptance and support of her rapist were the cause. I can see that. Absolutely. What the fuck? That is. See, that's why. Like it's. It sounds weird saying this to you, but like you don't pick your family. Mm. You know, like. I've been saying that for years. I know, but, oh my God. This, like, I've seen people in my own life, like, totally accept assholes as Just their, because they're yeah, family. Yeah, I, no, I, fuck no, that. Yeah. No. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a person. It doesn't matter. Oh my God. I hate everyone. I don't believe in that blood is thicker than Mm-mm. water shit. No. No. Because, because they've, that's what messed up people say when they fucked up and you're supposed to accept it. Yeah, exactly. No. no. But we're blood. No. No. No, you're not. You wouldn't have done whatever it was that you have done if that was the case. So, bye. Anyway. <laughs> and our rant is over. Until the next one. <laughs> My biological mom is getting a significant amount less inheritance than anyone else and she doesn't know it. Oh. My grandmother tried to hire a hitman on her boyfriend. It was all about money. She hired an undercover police officer. I found news articles. She got 18 months probation and was ordered not to have any contact with that man. (laughs) 
Holy shit. That's fucked up. Okay. Uh, My dad died when I was five in a car accident, quote unquote. For no real particular reason, I started questioning this when I was in my early teens, but could never find any obituary or news articles to prove or disprove it. Family would kind of dodge the question when I'd bring it up and always quick to change the subject. By now I'm in my early 30s and was discussing this with my friend in Discord, maybe six months ago. He found all of the articles back from when it happened. Turns out my dad robbed a store, killed a man, got in a shootout with cops, and caught a bullet to the head. It's nice to have closure. Shit. Yeah. Damn. Next one, the older gentleman that frequented my aunt's household was not, in fact, a co-worker, as I was led to believe. He was the resident sugar daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she just works with him. It's all right. (laughs) Uh, Great-grandma was a heroin trafficker in the 1950s. Not a mule, a legit player in the game. Oh, well. Well. Uh, this is about my stepfamily. The reason my aunt is never at their family gatherings is because my grandpa molested her when she, and when she told everyone, the entire family turned against her. Oh my gosh, what is people's problems? Not because they didn't believe her, but because she was going to ruin her father's good name and reputation. Oh my god. I no longer associate with anyone with that last name, including my mother, who married into it. <sighs> I wow. I can't. Wow. What <laughs> I, I know, I know. Next one. I learned a few months ago that my father, who I was told killed himself when I was two, was actually murdered by my mother. Oh. Whoa. Well. Next one. My great-grandmother was a prostitute when she came to America from Lithuania in 1902. She was 15. It's never been discussed, but when you look at the available evidence, she had no other options to make money. It was only a few months before she got a job as a maid, but it definitely still happened. Hey, and she had to do what she had to do. You got to do what you got to yeah. do. She made she got it out of or you know made it out of it. Mm-hmm. A few months. I mean, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to, but if you didn't have if, a yeah, if you I, didn't have any, I guarantee this fifteen-year-old girl did not want to. Oh no, you know, like no. it. so yeah. In ni- 1905? 1902. Oh, 1902? Yeah, yeah there's. Yeah, no options. They couldn't just, you know, go to the nearest McDonald's and get a job, you know? (laughs) Right. She probably didn't speak English. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, my, yeah. Could you imagine? No fucking way. It's so brave. I couldn't, I couldn't, I'm not that brave. It really is. Yeah. Uh, In high school, my parents were divorcing. A few days before the divorce was finalized, my dad died. My mom told us that he died in a car accident. I hadn't seen him in a year because we didn't get along. I recently found out through a document that he actually killed himself with his shotgun at his parents' house. I understand why my mom kept this secret from us, but I can't tell my siblings or her that I know. It'll be heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, When I was 22, I found out that I was adopted when I tried to apply for a loan and needed my birth certificate. My parents said they lost it, so I spent weeks trying to track a copy down from the government departments. I provided name and date of birth, location of birth, etc., I finally got a letter back. I'll never forget the opening line. According to our records, you were adopted in 1982. I was born in 1976. Turns out everyone else in the family knew but never told me. I've not kept in contact with any of them. Oh, God. Wow. Why? Why, are, why is it such a secret? I, I don't, don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. 
Like, you sit them down when they're old enough to understand what you're saying, and you tell them. Absolutely. Or you, like, raise them. Like, I read something. It was, I think it might have been a TikTok. But this woman, what, uh, it was her and her brother were adopted. She said her entire life, they were like, oh, I bet that comes from your your, fam- your other family. Or, like, they wanted to bring, like, that's their culture. That's their line, you know, their family line. That's, they need to know about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, that's how you do it. You don't keep it a secret. You let them know right away. Even if they don't understand it when they're tiny, they'll well, you learn. Don't, you don't tell them when they're tiny, but you tell them when they're old enough to understand what that means. I, yeah, Which I don't I, know how old that would be. What, six, seven? Yeah, maybe. I mean, something yeah. Like that. I mean, that's tiny. Oh. <laughs> well. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I'm not supposed to know. How my sister tried to kill herself in early 2019. I know because my mom needed to offload and it's an experience I've been through myself. My sister is a very private, independent person who doesn't like anyone knowing when she's struggling and doesn't like talking about her mental health. I'm the opposite because talking about my own issues has helped me understand so much. Next one, I went to a friend of a friend's birthday party a few years ago and the birthday boy's dad kept staring at me. He said I looked very familiar. By the end of the night, I found out he grew up down the street from my mom. Just I, I look just like her, and I don't no longer live in my hometown. A few days later, the birthday boy told me that his dad was reminiscing on how he hooked up with my grandmother while my grandfather was in World War II. Oh, God. I haven't told a soul. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, next one, my great-grandmother had a house servant, let's be real, basically a slave, who got so angry that she pushed my great-grandmother down the stairs, killing her. Oh. I only found out after I told my family I kept seeing a woman at the top of the stairs at my granddad's, her son, who was two, uh, when she died. Oh. Oh, my gosh. That's creepy. Yeah, it is. Uh, my uncle admitted on his deathbed that he kidnapped, tortured, and killed the man who murdered my grandfather. He was a loving and honest man. He was a steel worker for most of his life and married my aunt right out of high school. My mom made fun of him because she said he was too much of a goody-goody. He never drank, smoked, or ran around on my aunt, but he apparently did kill a man. Wow. Holy shit. That gave me chills. Yeah. That's like fucking revenge, man. That's revenge shit from a really, like, good guy. Holy fuck. (laughs) He deserves a movie. That's cool. Uh, My great-aunt was a nurse in a mental hospital in the 1920s and fell in love with a murderer who was getting evaluated for trial. She helped him escape, and they hid out in Florida until the cops caught up with them. My aunt got off easy, but he got the chair. (laughs) Found out by accident while working on family history, my mom reluctantly confirmed it. Oh, my gosh. Holy shit. That is crazy. Wow. Uh, My great-grandfather owned and ran a brothel in my hometown, which my grandfather continued to run. He shut it down and became a minister once my mom was born. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And my last one, my great-great-grandmother tried to poison the entire family. We did some genealogy research because we knew of other family members that existed, but we had never met. We found a long-lost great-great-aunt 
that we hadn't seen since super early childhood. She showed us a newspaper where our great-great-grandmother had a family reunion and fed the entire family poisoned food. She had diluted it too much, though, so when her family ate the food, they simply got a stomach ache and saw a doctor. <laughs> the sheriff told her not to do it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I've never heard of a real slap on the wrist before. Yeah, Holy shit. Really. Now... <laughs> The entire family, like, don't, don't ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what her reasoning was. I don't know. That's fucking crazy. The entire family, she's like, yeah, let's have a reunion. And then I wonder, like, afterwards, was it just, like, regular? Like, I don't know. My gosh. Who knows? Did they know? Remember that time? (laughs) When you tried to poison everybody? It was so funny. Oh, my God. It was so funny at the time, but now it's just hilarious. My stomach did hurt a bit, <laughs> but <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! People are so fucked up. Oh my god! <sighs> <sighs> okay, these are true ghost stories um, from people on Reddit. Oh, okay. Okay. These are the best. All right. I was camping with my husband and his family at a small remote lake in New Mexico. There were about 10 people in our group and another group of six people in the next campsite. It was nighttime and both groups were doing typical activities, making s'mores, having a few drinks, and telling stories, when we all heard what sounded like a little girl yelling out for help. Neither group had children with them, but we were all positive we were hearing a little girl and decided to search the area we heard the noises from together. There was a field behind our campsites, and we all saw a very tall, pure white figure standing maybe a hundred feet away from us in the field, making the noises. We all agreed this thing looked maybe six feet tall, skinny, and white as can be. We made our way closer to investigate, but whatever it was that we saw started backing off as we got closer and it disappeared into the trees. All night we continued to hear a little girl calling for help as we tried to sleep. What? What? A six feet tall creepy thing sounding like a little girl? That is... There ain't no way I would have stayed there. No! They just slept? Could you keep it down, please? We're trying to sleep. Nobody's coming to help you. We know you're creepy as fuck, okay? We know you're not a little girl. (laughs) Oh my god, what? Oh my god. You guys, make sure you zip up your tent. (laughs) What? Oh, okay. I'm a psychiatric nurse, and early in my career, I worked at a residential mental health facility. One of our residents was an elective mute, which means that he didn't, wouldn't, couldn't talk, but there were no medical reasons as to why. He had spoken earlier in his life and in fact seemed quite normal back then, with the exception of being close to seven feet tall. (laughs) He'd been raised in the Deep South and joined the military when he was 19, but one night he vanished. He was declared AWOL and eventually he was declared missing and dead. Ten years later, a seven-foot-tall man walked into a VA hospital emergency room in my part of the Midwest and said to the receptionist, 
My name is Marion Duchesne, not the real name, mm. and I've been dead for 10 years. What? Those were the last words he ever spoke. He was covered with dust and was wearing the same clothes he'd been reported to be wearing the night he vanished. 10 years ago. What? His social security number had not been used and he had no identification on his person. However, they were able to identify him, I guess via fingerprints. The oh my God! <clears throat> the family was notified, but they said they had already grieved their lost man and that whomever, whomever was claiming to be him simply could not be. They demanded not to be contacted again. Who wouldn't go at least see him and see if it was him? I mean, what? I don't know. So he disappeared and they just never found him, correct? Yes. But he came he went, in and said, I've been dead. Yes. What? I think what he meant was, because they considered oh. him dead since okay. they hadn't seen him. Okay. So he was basically then saying. Then fuck yes, you go get your man. Yes. What the fuck? I don't know. Hey, oh, we we <laughs> had that funeral. We already grieved. That's We don't Oh my anymore. God. I hate people. I know. Marion paced all day, every day, moving his mouth that looked like talking or muttering, but no sound came out. He had an unnerving habit of throwing his head back with his mouth wide open as if he were laughing heartily, but not even a breath could be heard. If I talked to him, he appeared to listen, periodically throwing his head back in that laughter-mimicking way of his. Various medications were tried, but they did not affect him, either positively or negatively, Occupational therapy did nothing because Marion would just grin and unless told to stay put, he'd get up and start pacing again. Hmm. On my last day at the job, the last thing I saw was Marion pacing in the parking lot, throwing his bed head back to laugh. Later, I wondered if all along I'd been dealing with a ghost. All these years later, I still don't know. Oh my god, what? That's a weird story. That is weird. Ghosts don't have fingerprints, right? No. No. And he talked at one point. It's like, where was he that whole time? Seriously? In the same outfit? Yeah. For 10 years? Was he just, like, homeless somewhere? I don't know. You would still think that he would have to have different clothes, though. Yeah, after 10 years, yeah. That's weird. And he obviously was mentally aware of who he was, yeah. so you would think he wouldn't stay in wherever he... That is fucking weird. Yeah. I was driving across country with my mom and sister when I was 16 and my sister was 20. It was late, but we were well rested still. Oh, we were, ro we were well rested still and alert. We were driving along an interstate and needed gas in a bathroom break. So we stopped at the only rest stop in 200 miles. There was a van full of teenagers on a road trip at the gas station as well as a small gray car parked at the pump in front of us with two young men standing still outside of it. When we got there, everything felt wrong. We'd been on the road for, for days and seen many rest stops at night and had never felt afraid until then. My mom and sister went inside and I stayed in the car. I heard the teenagers say they were creeped out and couldn't get the pump to work and they left in a hurry. I was watching the car in front of us and the two men had not moved at all. Not an inch. They weren't talking. They weren't on phones. They were just standing there, still a stone. 
My sister and mom came running back out to the car, and when they got in, the two men slowly turned to look at us while not moving or pivoting the rest of their bodies. And I swear to fucking shit, we all saw the same thing. They had eyes dark as pitch and empty. Truly empty. Not black, not reflecting any light at all, just a void. What? We sped out of there and didn't stop until we were in the next city. The worst thing about the entire experience? We couldn't find the place on any map. We knew exactly which spot on the interstate to look, and we couldn't find it on Google Maps or any paper map we had. We even asked locals about the creepy gas station out on that stretch of road and got only confused looks. We've traveled on that interstate since, and there is no rest stop. What? That is creepy. They entered another dimension with creepy void-eyed people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was thinking it was like black-eyed yeah, that's what I thought but, at first. But they were men, I guess. Yeah. And if it was, like, not reflecting... Because, like, even black eyes would catch a glare. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, what the fuck? I don't know. We were driving my friend's really old, beat-up Subaru through a massive graveyard. We stopped and walked down a hill and came across a little pond. There was someone sitting on a rock on the other side of the pond. The figure was all black, and we couldn't make out any features other than the fact it looked like a man who was wearing some old-style top hat. We stupidly waved and shouted hi. He didn't show any acknowledgement and continued sitting still on the rock. All of a sudden, he jumped to his feet, started running to us on the water, What? and then vanished in thin air about halfway on the pond. My friends and I screamed and ran back to the car. (laughs) The car wouldn't start. Oh, no. And we heard something banging on the back of the car. What? It wasn't a constant bang, but every few seconds or so, we'd hear it. Nobody was outside from what we could see in the dark, but something was making a noise on the car. I opened my phone and started dialing my mom to come give us a boost, but I had no service. None of us had any cell service. The next 30 minutes, we spent trying to get the car started. No banging was heard afterwards, but we felt this heavy pressure around us. Finally, the car started, and she hit the pedal to the metal. We sped out of the graveyard so fast, immediately crossing the gates, all of our phones regained self-service. One thing I know for certain is that someone or something was out there, and it was not an animal or a human. Creepy. Running on water. No. Definitely a ghost. I was thinking, um... Wouldn't it kind of be funny, though, if it was a person and it was like a pier and they just ran <laughs> to the pier and jumped in the lake and they were like, oh, my God! <laughs> that is hilarious. Throwing a big old fit, and then the next day they're like, let's go during the day. And then you see it. <laughs> see the long pier, they're like, oh. All right. When I was 37, I went to my high school reunion. I flew into the nearest airport and rented a car. The distance was about 35 miles through a very rural and almost abandoned part of the country. About three miles outside of town, I see someone on the side of the road flagging me down. It turned out that it was one of the guys I had attended school with, Jim, not his real name. Gets in the car and we start talking. I had not seen him in 20 years, but he still looked the same, maybe a little older. 
When we get to town and I ask him if he wants to come to the VFW and have a drink, he says, no, just take me home. Jim's parents had lived only a few blocks from my grandmother's house, and I turned in that direction, but he said to take him to the outskirts of town. There was a mobile home park out there, and I figured that is where he lived. When we reached the end of the turnoff, he said, just drop me here. It was good to see you again, and he walks off into the night. I go to the VFW, meet some of my old classmates. We start to talk. As we were talking about who was coming to the reunion, I mentioned that I just picked Jim up three miles east of town and had dropped him off. Everyone gets quiet. Even the guy singing karaoke stops and lays <laughs> down the mic. What? My cousin goes white as a new t-shirt. Barb, Jim died on that curve eight years ago. Oh my Rolled God. his car. We were all at his funeral, I was told. I started to feel really dizzy and I went out to the car to take some deep breaths. There on the seat is the local newspaper printed eight years previous containing Jim's obituary. I still have the paper. What? Where'd that come from? I don't know, but I got chills. I got chills. <laughs> Holy shit. Ew. Man, okay, so him showing up is creepy enough, but leaving the obituary? I know. I How mean, rude. Come on, Jim. <laughs> That's creepy. It's <laughs> <That was> very mean. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is scary. I'm gonna do that when I die. <laughs> be like, I'm just gonna leave this right here. Just mess with people. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> After we moved into our home, we were told a woman had died there at the hands of her abusive husband. She hated men. My dad would wake up with scratches all over himself, and whenever my brother was mean to my sister or I, he would have scratches on him as well. One day, my brother hurt our sister. He hit her with something. When he woke up later that night, he had a horrible bloody nose. My. The day we moved out, my brother accidentally broke his twin's arm trying out a wrestling move. He swears that he would have died that night if it wasn't our last in the house. Whoa. I'd be scared. Yeah. Unless you were a girl. And you wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> be like, what are you talking about? This is a great house. <laughs> you better not be mean to me. <laughs> Ghost is going to get you. <laughs> you know that was, that was said in that house. Oh, it had to have been. <laughs> I was standing in my parents' room talking to my very sick dad at the time. He was dying of stage four esophageal, esophageal cancer. I got the feeling that something was behind me. I looked towards the doorway to the living room and something about four feet, six inches um, tall and fully black is peeking around the corner with its hands on the door frame. I ran towards it, and it slipped back around the door. When I got outside the doorway, there was nothing. My dad was completely confused when I stepped back inside the room when I tell him. People who stayed at my house in my dad's final days claimed to have seen it. My mom saw the figure on multiple occasions in multiple places until he passed away. We haven't seen it since. I don't know what possesses me to binge read reddit true real life ghost stories about twice a year when each place i live always has some kind of resident spirit hmm that's kind of creepy yeah i wonder what it was why is it so small and black i don't know that's doesn't sound great it doesn't sound like a grim reaper type thing no they're usually well the um pop culture version is very tall yeah. and hooded yeah weird hmm 
I mean, it didn't sound like a bad thing. Yeah, I, just... I mean, it wouldn't do nothing. Hmm. Hmm. After my parents divorced when I was a teenager, I lived with my mother. I experienced lots of paranormal happenings. Several times when I was reading in my bed, the room would start to feel really icy. Next, it would feel as if something or somebody that hated me was staring at me. When I got that feeling, I would leave the room and come back an hour later. Sometimes during the day, I would see a shadow figure sneaking along my bedroom walls. Ooh. Something in the flat was pretending to be my dog. I went into my room and heard a deep growl from under the bed. My dog wasn't capable of making a noise that deep. It sounded like either a really big dog or a man doing his best dog impersonation. Ooh. Other times, my dog would whimper and pace in the room next to mine, but wouldn't come when called as if he was afraid of something in the hallway. When I moved in with my father, the paranormal activity stopped. Hmm. So it must have been that one place. Yeah. Shortly after college, I got married. We immediately moved into a basement apartment because that's all that was available within our budget. This place had a poltergeist, and my wife was terrified. Whatever resided there with us made it clear it wanted to live alone. Dishes, glasses, and other items would fly off the shelf, my wife was hit several times. Oh. There was always an ominous feeling like we were being watched. At night, when we walked through the apartment in the dark, there would be insanely bright flashes of light that would illuminate the entire room. One night, while, I was, while we were going to bed, as soon as my wife and I walked into the bedroom, we heard a voice from nowhere say, this person's name, move. <laughs> my wife looked at me. I looked at her. I said loudly, you've got it, bud. <laughs> we moved out two days later and stayed with family. The old lady who owned the place died a few months later, and the house was torn down. It is still empty. It is still an empty lot to this day. Nothing but grass and trees. I still drive by it every now and again. <laughs> My dad used to work as a corrections officer at a rural prison. He drove the perimeter of the property for his entire shift, where he would check empty buildings for runaway inmates. It was generally a boring job. One, my, one night, my dad was parked on a hill reading a magazine when he started to feel a thumping in his body. He described it as the feeling you get when speakers are playing a song with really heavy bass. Ooh. He put the magazine down and checked his rearview mirror where he saw someone outside the truck. He grabbed his pistol and jumped out of the truck with his weapon drawn. Outside the truck, he realized it was a procession of Native Americans walking through the truck and directly through his seat only to disappear at the exact spot he was sitting. He said it was clear they were ghosts because many of them appeared injured. This went on for a few seconds, and then the whole procession disappeared. He called the other perimeter guy on his walkie-talkie to try to explain, and the other guy almost immediately stopped communicating. Turns out the other guy had seen this happen before, but didn't believe in ghosts, so he wouldn't talk about it. Whoa. That would be the coolest shit to experience. It would be cool, but I don't think it would be cool until later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be scary as fuck yeah. at the time, but oh my gosh, could you imagine a whole, like, parade yes. of... And feeling that that bass? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. I worked as a forensic nurse in a hospital's lockup unit. We had one older lady who swore she was being haunted and abused by a demon she would call Tiberius. So many crazy things happened while she was on the unit. We'd go into the room, do normal care, leave, and seconds later she'd start screaming bloody murder. We'd run into the room to find her looking like she'd been in a fight with a boxing champ. 
What? Bloody lip, black eye, markings all over her body. No one ever saw her doing this stuff to herself. Things would get moved around the room by themselves. At one point, she was in protective restraints because the doctor thought she was hurting herself. There was no way she could have moved or done anything to herself while in these restraints. New marks would always appear or her tray or cart would be across the room. The room was secure, so there was no way someone else was doing this. When we asked her questions, she'd just say it was Tiberius. After she was discharged, we always had trouble with that room. If there was going to be a rapid response or code, it happened in that room. One night, a guard reported lights blinking on and off. It was that room. Oh my gosh. That is creepy. And that poor woman, they tied her down and she's just yeah. getting the shit kicked out of her. Here you go. Horrible. On a silver bladder. Aw, <laughs> sad. <laughs> okay. I have intuitive people revealing the scariest moments when they knew something wasn't right. First one. Late at night, I was sitting in my car waiting for my boyfriend to finish his shift. A guy walks past and we make eye contact. I feel this sense of danger, but figure I'm overreacting. A few minutes pass and f the fear won't go away. I finally decide to move my car away from the edge of the parking lot to the front of the restaurant in the, parking, uh, the customer parking area. I start up my car, and just as I'm putting it into drive, the guy rushes out from behind and tries to yank my door open, pulling on it really hard. I hit the gas, and he trails me for a second, then hits my window with a rock. I keep going, and he throws the rock at me and then runs away. I was shaking so badly I could barely steer. Pretty sure he was sneaking up on me just as I decided to start my engine. Mm. Holy shit. Next, when I was working on a radio system in the local water tower of a pretty remote outback town. It was a beautiful late spring day in October when I got there. But after a few hours, a bird, uh, the bird noises stopped. The breeze stopped. I took the, my equipment out of standby and set it up as a live test because I had the weirdest feeling I didn't have time to fully test it. Then I went outside to sit in my car. About 90 seconds later, there was a direct lightning strike on the tower I had just left. It measured at the highest point of uh, 200 kilometers, maybe? It was literally the loudest thing I have ever heard, ever. Wow. That's scary. Mm-hmm. I was walking to school in middle school, and this lady with a car pulled over next to me and called me Linda. That's not my name, but it was close enough, so I looked up. She apologized and explained she thought I was her grandkid. Then she offered me a ride to school, except I was already standing on school grounds. I had a half a block to walk before I needed to turn to walk into the building. When I said no, she tried to demand I get in her car. I said no thanks and took off running. It occurred to me much later that she probably had no intention of dropping me off at school. Uh, Aw, honey. <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially if you were fucking there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, no. Thank I'm you. good. <laughs> God. <laughs> I worked as a bouncer in Missouri, and at midnight one night, I got sent to Walmart for some things. Driving down Highway 50, I caught a glimpse of a figure on the side of the road. Ghostly corner of your eye kind of thing. I don't usually stop for strangers at midnight, but something in my gut made me slam on my brakes for that woman. I pulled over, and a young woman approached, approached my passenger door. 
She was hyperventilating and really freaked out. I couldn't understand her, so I just told her to get in my truck. As we sat there for a moment, she tried to talk. Just then, a van pulled up behind me, still on the side of the Highway 50, and a man jumped out and approached the passenger side window that was still down. He started grabbing at the girl and cussing me out. In my biggest voice, I calmly explained that he needed to back off. She wasn't leaving my truck, I told him. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm taking her wherever she wants to go. We talked on the way to the hospital. She was from out of state. Some guys she had met through a friend assaulted her and dragged her out, of a, out to a field. She was beaten until she played dead, then escaped from the back of a van when they stopped for gas. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. And he tried to, like, go back. Yeah. Fuck you. Oh my god, I hate people. I was at a local mall a few years ago with a friend. She went into the bathroom, and I was waiting alone outside the bathroom. It was near closing time, so it wasn't surprising that some guard told me that it was almost time to leave. But before I could respond, I took one good look at him, and my stomach turned. He was not a guard, but he acted like he was. He offered to escort me out of the building, but I noticed his badge was plastic. <laughs> and from some toy store. Aw, <laughs> oh, come on, dude. <laughs> I kept telling him no and continued waiting for my friend. Every time I looked at him, my stomach turned and I got shivers. When my friend finally got out of the bathroom, he was gone. She asked me who I was talking to, and after I told her, we got out of there quick. A week after, I was there again to get some stuff and asked the actual security guard about the guy from earlier. Turns out they escorted him out of the, out of the mall several times because he kept posing as a guard to get teenagers to come out to his car. Ugh. Creep. With a fucking plastic fucking... <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> well, unfortunately, yeah, that's there all it are takes. people... There, yeah, there are people that aren't going to yeah. pay any attention to it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm a chalk muralist and was hired by my city to create art along walkways downtown for a festival. The thing with chalk art is you have to create it the same day it'll be displayed... So I had to get started around 4 a.m. in order to fully finish by the time the festival, be the festival began at 10. It was around 5 a.m., still dark, and I was just finishing up outside of a coffee shop located in a standalone building when I noticed a guy slowly walking down the street. He was several blocks away and far enough away, but still something didn't sit right, so I kept my eye on him. When he got about a block away... He took a left down a street where I could no longer see him. As soon as that happened, my inner voice told me I needed to get the fuck out of there. Without even gathering my chalk or any other supplies, I grabbed my car keys and hauled ass to my car on the other side of the lot. As soon as I got in and locked my doors, I see him literally run out from the opposite side of the coffee shop where, he had, where I had seen him walking. Right where I would have been on my hands and knees in a vulnerable position if I hadn't gotten up. I ended up waiting for about a half an hour, grabbed my supplies, and came back up uh, once the sun was up. It put me behind on finishing my work on time, but I will gladly take that any day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Always listen to your gut. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't even want to know what would happen. Mm -mm. When I was 10 years old, my grandma was watching me and my younger siblings while our parents were out of town. We were eating pancakes in the living room, and my siblings were watching cartoons while I was reading the, la the latest Harry Potter book that had just came out the day before. My brother asked my grandma for more pancakes, and she started to get up. As I was engrossed in my book, 
but out of the corner of my eye, I felt like she was taking longer than usual. She tried, she tried to get up, but her leg wouldn't move. She tried to pick it up with her hands, but one of her hands wouldn't move. I knew something was wrong, and I put my book down. Then she fell out of her chair and onto the floor. I screamed, and she tried to tell me that she was fine. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so me. I would be like, oh, it's, it's, it's okay, okay, honey. It's I okay, it. just read your book. Um, that her leg had just fallen asleep and she had tripped, but her voice was coming out all slurred and the only, only half of her face was moving. I recognized the signs of a stroke from the babysitter's club. Hmm. I ran into the kitchen. She had no cell phone back then and called 911. First, I called my best friend, the only number I could remember, and asked her mom if I needed to dial an area code before 911. Then I called 911. <laughs> Meanwhile, my siblings got the handyman who was mowing the backyard to come in and help out. The ambulance arrived, and they took her to the hospital, and I don't remember much else. My best friend's mom must have somehow gotten hold of my parents because they did eventually show up at the hospital. She was treated so quickly that she made a full recovery and is still alive and in good health almost 20 years later. Nice. Nice. Quick thinking. See, reading. It's a lifesaver. It saves lives. I mean... Especially the Babysitter's Club. I mean, (laughs) come on. (laughs) Okay, I was home alone and someone rang my doorbell. It was dark and I could see a person, but I couldn't see his face, only a shadow. I asked who it was. I didn't open the door because he never answered and went back to playing games. However, my dog would look straight at the door like he knew something was not right. After about two hours, my parents arrived and told me there were two police cars on our street. Apparently that person was a burglar and had knocked out one of my neighbor's windows and stole from their house. This happened two years ago, but I still still feel unsafe because I'm probably the only one who was able to see his face. Mm. Creepy. During the first lockdown, I hadn't seen my dad, who lives alone, for three months, and we spoke on the phone every day. One night while I was drifting off to sleep at 2 a.m., I suddenly started feeling overwhelming anxiety. I was sweating and just felt like something was off. I couldn't get back to sleep, so I decided to ring my dad since he was a night owl and and would pick up. But to my surprise, no answer. I woke my partner and told him something was really off and my dad hadn't answered his phone, which had my anxiety running tenfold at this point. He suggested if he still hadn't answered the phone in the morning, we would drive over and check on him. Still, I couldn't shake this feeling, so at 3 a.m., my partner and I got in the car and drove three hours to my dad's home. When we arrived at my dad's house, I walked in to find my dad staring at the wall. He was gray and yellow in color. He was slurring his words and utterly confused about where he was. I I immediately called an ambulance. He spent the next four weeks in the hospital with acute kidney failure from undiagnosed end-stage liver cirrhosis. Wow. Jeez. My doctor told me if I had arrived at his home a few hours later, it would have, I would have been calling an undertaker, not an ambulance. Sometimes anxiety can be a life-saving gift. Hmm. It's so weird how some people just get a feeling that, mm-hmm. like... I don't what? know if I would. I mean, you don't... Like, I don't think these people... You know, this is probably the first time they'd ever been like, yeah. oh, maybe I should just, or, you know, you just get that feeling like, yeah. maybe I should just like turn this way, you mm-hmm. know, instead of going my normal way to work. You, you don't know. You just don't know. One day I was in a parking garage across the street from a courthouse after filing a document. 
I got off the elevator where I think my car is parked and it's nowhere to be found. I wandered around pushing my keys and listening for the beep. After about a minute, I noticed a guy walking around too. He didn't appear to be following me, but I kept an eye on him. There was no one else on that level except him and me, and he was giving me the creeps. Finally, I determined my car must not be on that level. I got in the elevator and went down a floor. I got off the elevator and kept an eye out for a second. The guy didn't appear, so I brushed off my feelings as paranoia. I started walking around, pushing my car keys again. Then, as I turned the corner, there's the guy again. This time, I know he's following me. Again, we were alone on the level. I head for the elevators and notice he's heading that way, too. He's on pace to cut me off, and I start to panic. Just then, the elevator doors open, and two guys in suits walk out. I run up to them and say, There you guys are! I've been looking all over for you, this level, and the one above. Where the hell did you park? And I laugh. The guys looked at me weird, but to their credit, they didn't even blink, and one of them responded with, Oh, sorry, we're on this level, but we brought Tom's car instead of mine, and I forgot to tell you. We're parked over here. And they led me away. As we walked away, I saw the guy who'd been following me stop, stare, then leave down the stairs beside the elevator. Once he's gone, I tell the guys what happened, and they help me to find my car. It was on the first level. I just never got close enough to hear the beep. Uh, to this day, I know the guy was just waiting for me to find my car so he could do something nefarious. I avoid parking garages at all costs now. If I'm forced to park in one, I take a picture of where I park so I don't get lost anymore. I now always carry pepper spray on my keychain. Yeah. I love that those guys were like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. yeah, we took Tom's car. <laughs> you know, your best friend. <laughs> I had plans to visit my dad one afternoon. I called him in the morning to ask if he needed anything because I was about to go to the store and could easily pick up something, some things for him. He didn't answer. A little weird for him, but not uncommon. But I had this weird feeling in the back of my head, so I tried again 30 minutes later. Again, nothing. Neither landline nor mobile. I decided to drive over there early to check and can't really explain, but I just knew something had happened. I found him dead in his house. Aww. He fell and cracked his head open. Oh my God, that's horrible. To this day, I don't know what was worse, finding him like that or the 30 minute long drive where the feelings grew that I was going to walk into something like that. Ugh. Oh, honey, that's terrible. Oh, and just to hit your head. Oh, what a fucking bummer. Okay, I was living about five hours away from my parents and spent Easter with them. My plan was to take Monday off work and drive back that day, but for some reason, I decided to go back on Sunday night. At about 3 a.m., I woke up to a weird noise and hit the touch lamp next to my bed. It made a loud popping sound and turned off, thinking, hmm, something isn't right here. I got up and grabbed the uh, bedroom door handle. It was so hot that I immediately pulled my hand back. Once I opened the door, I was met with my entire apartment up in flames. The only ways out of the apartment were through the living room to the front door and through the dining room and kitchen to the back door, and I couldn't get to either. I used whatever strength I had to shove my headboard away from the window, broke the window out, and just screamed. My landlord was letting a guy illegally live in a storage room. He heard me and ran right down the block to the fire station. They got me out through the window and then put out the fire. My living room had caught on fire from a faulty electric outlet, and it had spread to my dining room by the time I got up. I was hours away from my family, had no money or ID. 
Lost my cell phone and car keys in the fire, and it was like 4 a.m. Was that it? That was it. Oh, that sucks. I'm going to cut that out. That made no sense. Their gut feeling was, um, I need to go home so I'm caught in a fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> like if their kids were home alone and they yeah. went home and got them out, that would make sense? That didn't yeah, make sense. It didn't make sense. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, I got home from work, and as soon as I stepped out of my car, I felt something off. My upstairs neighbor left his dog out, which was super uncommon, but she was acting strange. That just added to my weird intuition. Normally, she's super excited to greet me, but that day, she just sat by the door. About 20 minutes passed, and I still couldn't shake the feeling. I decided to go to his door and invite him over for a drink. As I approached, I noticed his dog made it inside, but now she's barking nonstop. I knocked and knocked until I was pounding on his door. I jiggled the handle. It was locked. I ran down and through the house to the back stairwell that connects our residences. I opened the door to his apartment, and he's convulsing on the ground, struggling to breathe. He had overdosed on Percocet. The paramedics said if they'd been called 10 minutes later, he might not have survived. Wow. Holy shit. Good doggy. <laughs> I remember for several weeks I felt something was off but could never pinpoint what it was. I felt as if someone was following my every move. I had regular customers at the coffee shop I worked at. One stood out. He'd ask for my number over and over again, give me large tips, and hang around longer than he had to. Every time I rejected him, but he became every time I rejected him, he became more persistent. I told him I was a lesbian, which is true. But even that didn't deter him. I was creeped out, but I ignored it. On the bus ride home, as soon as I got off, I noticed someone was behind me, following the same path I was. Shortcuts and everything. When I fast-walked, they fast-walked. When I ran, they ran. It wasn't until they were out of sight that I went in the direction of my apartment. The next day, I asked my boss if I could see the security footage from last night. To my horror, that very same guy had been waiting around the corner of the store and only moved when I left to go to my bus stop. The further we looked past, looked at past footage, the more sick I felt. The same guy had been waiting outside at night every night for the past three weeks. Yeah. That day, I waited for him to come in while my boss called the police. As soon as he came in, the cops questioned him. He wasn't nervous at all. He was convinced that we were in a serious relationship and had memorized my work schedule, bus schedule, and even what stops I frequently used, so he would always know where I was. As it turned out, my gut feeling of something horribly wrong was more accurate than I had imagined. I found out later that he had done this to other women before. With one of them, he broke into her house. It scared the hell out of me knowing how far he was willing to go for a quote-unquote relationship. Wow. One time, my grandpa took me and my cousin with him to the gas station to get diesel for his tractor. We lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere, so it wasn't there wasn't much else to do. I rode in the middle seat, and my cousin was in the passenger. We were about 12 years old at the time. When we got to the gas station, my grandfather parked at a pump and headed inside, leaving the keys in the truck. Just before my grandpa walked inside, an elderly man on a bench outside stopped him and pointed at us. I couldn't hear them, but I got a weird feeling about it. My grandfather walked inside to the register after the short interaction. The man hadn't taken his eyes off us from across the parking lot. Then he got up and started walking towards us. I started panicking. My cousin did, too. 
As soon as the man reached the truck, he opened the driver's side door. My cousin unbuckled, and he told me, get out as he hops out. I start mashing my buckle release, but it's stuck. The seatbelt was locked firmly against me from my panicking. My cousin leaned back in and tried to push the release, but realized it's stuck too and then immediately hops out. The guy just looked at me and grinned as he reached for the keys in the ignition like he was enjoying my sheer terror. It was nothing short of pure fucking evil. It still gives me the chills. The next thing I noticed was that my cousin was leaning back in with a hammer he grabbed out of the bed of the truck, screaming about how he's going to hit him. The old man immediately threw his hands up and said he was just joking, then climbed out. He walked behind the gas station just as my grandfather came out, none the wiser. When my grandfather got in, we both tried to explain what had just happened, but we weren't making any sense to him at all. He was just old and unsuspecting of that kind of thing in our area, and we were in shock. He said the man just asked if we were his granddaughters, but he didn't pay much attention to him because the man seemed deaf. <clears throat> that creep thought we were two little girls because of our longer hair and planned on abducting us. Mm. Oh my god! I was tripping on shrooms once with a friend in the dead of winter in Chicago. We were wandering around in the snow because snow is magnificent while tripping. <laughs> We ended up on the beach near the planetarium, and we just kept walking, not paying attention, and focusing on the crunching of the snow and other sights and sounds. I noticed this cool thing that looked like a frozen bubble below me and started stomping on it. <laughs> Suddenly, I realized why there was a frozen bubble. We were standing on a frozen lake. Oh, my God. Like, 50 yards out. I called to my friend and told him not to move. We were on a lake, and shit was cracking. We walked back via our footprint trail and made it back safely. A uh, hell of a rush. We could have died by being a bunch of tripping idiots. <laughs> One of the dumbest things I've ever done. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Fuck a bubble. Don't want it. <laughs> okay. It happened back in junior high, one or two days leading up to finding out one of my best friends died. We had a few classes together and were both hugely into the band, The Offspring. They just released the music video for self-esteem. I wanted to tell my friend about it and see if he watched it the next day, but he wasn't on the bus. Everyone assumed he was out sick. The day after that, still no friend. My gut felt really strange and I overheard a couple kids talking about how someone got shot and something about a possible botched robbery attempt. I didn't catch it all, but immediately got this dreadful feeling that my friend was part of whatever those kids were talking about. I was right. Later that day in math class, the teacher notified us that my friend was in the hospital of a gunshot wound. No robbery attempt. He'd been playing with his dad's rifle. He didn't know it was loaded, and it went off. His parents found him after coming home from work. He lived for a couple of days in the hospital before dying from the injuries. It's still hard to listen to self-esteem, even though it's been nearly 30 years. Miss you, Matt. No, that's sad. I took a class on lighting in a theater. One day, I was using a simple, I was using a single-person lift to put myself 20 meters above the floor to change one tiny thing on one light. As I raised the lift closer to the light, I had the strange feeling that I got progressively worse. When I inspected it. Literally every single safety thing that could be wrong on this very heavy light 20 meters above the crossroads of multiple walkways was wrong, and about as wrong as it could be. 
It was a miracle this light hadn't fallen and killed someone yet, because it was about to. Whichever idiot had managed to screw it up this badly also managed to touch the power coupling to the crazy hot light. The power coupling was melted and somehow still functional. It was a miracle the entire auditorium hadn't burned down when this idiot did this. It was extremely scary to me as I had been doing extracurriculars in that auditorium for nine years then and don't think that light was touched that entire time. So every one of the thousands of times I had used that path, my life had been in danger. Every other light in the auditorium was perfectly fine. Hmm. Holy crap. Uh, about 10 years ago, my dad and I were visiting my grandma in a nursing home. I was just wandering around the nursing home when I was undergoing, which was undergoing renovations at the time when we got there, but something made me linger in the main corridor. I didn't know why. I usually went to the lounge and waited for my grandma. Then I heard this loud bang. I ran down the corridor to the public toilets and found this elderly lady lying on her back on the floor covered in blood. She was coming out of the toilet stalls, turned around to close the door, tripped on her shoes, fell back, and slammed her head against Aww. the bench near the door. There was blood everywhere. Fortunately, I spent five years as a first aid officer, so I knew what to do. I got her sitting upright on the floor, resting against the wall, and I took out my clean handkerchief and started to try and stop the bleeding. Since the nursing home was being renovated, the panic buttons wouldn't work. The nurse station at the entrance was empty because, of course it is, and this lady is bleeding out. I couldn't leave her to find help because she would have probably passed out if I did, and I didn't know where to go because, of course, there were no signs anywhere. I was waiting, 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 trying to calm her down, trying to stop the bleeding from going everywhere, and finally this old man came in to use the bathroom. He spotted the scene, and he's like, do you need me to find the nurses? Which I replied, yes, now! <laughs> <laughs> the nurses finally showed up ten minutes later. By now, I'd already been there for at least 10, 15 minutes before that guy showed up. So in all, it was a better part of a half an hour. If I hadn't been there to visit my grandmother, if I hadn't lingered in that corridor, that lady would have bled out and died before the nurses found her. The only reason they arrived at all was because that other guy went to find them. Wow. Holy shit. Poor lady. I was 15 years old and babysitting four younger cousins. I was watching TV in the living room where there was a knock on the door. It was late. I knew it was odd. I approached the door with a hello. A man answered and asked if someone random was there. I said no. Then he said, can you open the door? I need a light for a cigarette. I replied no again and walked back into the living room and saw two faces trying to look down the side of the curtains. Mm. Then they started knocking again. I walked toward the kitchen uh, to arm myself. As I walked in there, there were already... There was already someone halfway inside and another behind him. I went into protective mode, thinking I, wouldn't, thinking I wouldn't let them get to the children, so I picked up a large knife off the bench. I charged towards them, and they stumbled and ran off. I was shaking, but picked up my cell phone while the other two were still knocking on the front door. I called the police and explained I had four children in the house, and there were four people trying to break in. They told me to remain calm and go somewhere safe with the children, like the bathroom, where I could lock, and lock the door until the police arrived. I shut the back entrance and returned to the front. I looked out the side window, and the men were standing there menacing, menacingly at the bottom while I was on the phone. <laughs> the police came with helicopters and police dogs, but the men were never caught. What? That sucks. 
Next one, I caught some creepy guy trying to expose himself to my 11-year-old daughter. Mm. I was, I had a gut feeling so, to go check on her. I was in another part of the store and walked up just in time. Always follow your instincts and trust your gut. My daughter was fine and could not understand why I was freaking out so much. She was too young to explain it well. Thank goodness she had no idea. Her head was in a book and she saw his arm moving back and forth from behind. Yeah. When I walked up, it was still in his pants, but the intent was clear. She's 16 now and has figured it out. My husband was there with us, and the guy literally came up to him and told him he was sorry. Mm. Cannot believe that part. I was outside calling the police, and my husband tried to follow him out of the store. The guy ran across the street, but later came back, and we got his license plate. I gave a statement to the officer, and they followed up on it. They came by our house and to tell us they couldn't really do anything because... I hadn't actually seen it, if that makes any sense. But they put him on some sort of list. Apparently, he was told he told the police he was taking some weird medication that made him do it. What the fuck ever? Oh, you know that side effect. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> God. Fucking medication. Whatever. Uh, my mom and I fight like cats and dogs since I was four. We are the same person, basically, and still love each other dearly. One morning, we fought before I went to school, and I screamed that I hated her before slamming my car, my dad's car door and him taking me to school. While driving there, he told me an old adage. 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 Never leave the conversation mad, because if you, if you die, the, last, the person's last memory of you would be you saying that you hated them. Or, if they die, my last memory of them would be me hating them. I broke into a panic attack and told my dad he needed to call my mom immediately. He had left his phone at home, so he told me to go to the front office and to ask to call my mom when we got to school. The office tried my mom's personal phone, voicemail, voicemail again, told me to go to class. If she calls, they will tell me to, they will call me to the office. I had a horrible feeling in my stomach. At that point, I yelled at them to call the school that she teaches at. At first they refused, but I broke into a screaming, crying panic that I needed to speak to my mom right away. They did it finally and told me she isn't required to arrive for another hour, though usually she came early to help out at school and hadn't shown up yet. That was strange for my mom. She works in a school in the inner city. Teachers had been harmed walking to and from their cars. Her school sent the resource officer for some reason and they found her. My mom had been mugged, was unconscious, and bleeding. She would have been there for another hour or until she regained consciousness, if she did. I was driving my car and started noticing that my steering wheel felt very stiff. I tried to keep driving, thinking it might be low on power steering fluid. After a few minutes, though, it became clear something was very wrong, so I started to pull over. As soon as I turned the wheel, my car lurched to one side, and I, was, I completely lost steering. I also completely... I also quickly realized that my brakes didn't seem to be, seem to be working and that since I was trying to pull over, my car's path was leading onto a sidewalk. Thankfully, there was no one on the sidewalk as my car skidded up onto the curb and stopped just a few feet from my business's front window. There had been a mechanical ball joint failure in my car and both of the front and rear tires were completely perpendicular to the car, facing sideways. The scary thing is, I was only minutes away from getting on the highway. Ooh. Holy shit. That wouldn't have been good. No. I accepted a ride home from a party from a male friend. 
We were from a small town. Everyone knows everyone. And my boyfriend had left the party early. My friend said he'd be happy to take me home, and I thought nothing of it. Hours later, I am very drunk, and he starts driving me home. I was playing with the radio and chatting a mile a minute. Some time went by on that 35-minute car drive, and it occurred to me that he had stopped talking. Something came over me, and my senses were on high alert. I was suddenly clear-headed. I noticed we were on a rural road. We lived in the country with all rural roads, but this was certainly not our direct route home. And then I looked at his face. He was not there. He was up in his headspace, and I just felt terror. Some sort of self-defense came upon me because I knew I was in danger. So it was so unexpected. I grew up with this guy, knew him well. At that moment, I just began talking to him, calling him by name, bringing up our mutual friends, making small talk, being lighthearted and kind as I could muster, and forced him to look at me. All I can describe is that I brought him out of whatever evil he had been planning. Now that I'm much older, I, of, I often think about him and wonder if he had done bad things in his life. I look him up on Facebook and saw he had married, but much later in life. Still, that automatic alert to danger was a sensation I'll never forget. The sixth sense just rang alarm. If you ever experience it, this would be familiar to you. So he didn't do anything. Yeah, but why was he going down a weird road? Yeah. And if he had, like, a weird look on his face or yeah. something? That's weird. Yeah. Especially if you know someone or you think you know someone, and then you look at him and it's, like, not them. Yeah. Ooh, creepy. Yeah, that was creepy. All right, that Time was for it. the witty wrap-up. I did, uh, these are 25 painfully accurate tweets that sum up foreplay when you're married. Oh. Dating foreplay. Him. Let's go out on a date. Let me hold your car door. Marriage foreplay. Him. I showered. <laughs> my husband got excited because I bent over and apparently my leggings are worn in and see-through now and welcome to foreplay as a parent. <laughs> oh my gosh. Foreplay in your 40s is sending your wife photos of walk-in closets. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> I just got my wife a giant iced coffee for my trip to the outside world, so don't tell me I don't know a thing or two about foreplay. That's right. <laughs> Tired? Married people foreplay. My husband came home and asked if I wanted to go to Home Goods. Is this foreplay? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Married foreplay is just five minutes of confusion about whether your spouse is using a suggestive euphem euphemism or asking you to do a chore. <laughs> wife and I, meh, wife and I, are at that age where foreplay is just us describing things we'd probably do to each other if we weren't so tired and achy. Yeah. My husband surprised me by, by bringing me a twice-baked potato stuffed with bacon and onions and cheese. And is this foreplay? Because it feels like foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage foreplay be like, I just watched my wife finger an ice cube out of the ice dispenser in the freezer door. It's so fucking on later. <laughs>
god. <laughs> You're not really married until the dishes count as foreplay. Doing the dishes? Fuck yeah. <laughs> My husband booked me an eye exam and pre-filled all the paperwork for the appointment. Is this some sort of foreplay? Because Whoa. if it is, it's working. <laughs> My wife just sang the Animal Crossing theme song during foreplay, so that's where we're at. <laughs> Me. Texts husband to come upstairs. Husband comes up with snacks and a cold drink. And that's what foreplay looks like after 12 years of marriage. <laughs> he knows what's up. <laughs> just caught husband's eye while the kids weren't looking and mimed fellatio on a spongebob popsicle so there's tonight's foreplay (laughs) (laughs) you know you've been married for a while when a back scratch counts as foreplay Mm -hmm. what do you call it when your spouse yells at your child on your behalf I call it foreplay I just sent my husband a picture of a foot-long turd or monstrosity of a cat birthed. I call this foreplay. (laughs) Oh my god. Rubbing icy hot on your wife's back is considered foreplay in your 40s. (laughs) And a necessity. (laughs) Married foreplay is texting your spouse while you're sitting in your toddler's bedroom while she falls asleep. I hope you took a shower. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) My husband just enthusiastically shushed me so that he could watch a 10-minute video on making sourdough bread. So, yeah, I guess you can say we take part in foreplay. (laughs) You know you're married with kids when having your spouse apply sunscreen to your back counts as foreplay. (laughs) Foreplay with kids is my husband sleeping on the floor of our toddler's room for half an hour or so before creaking his way into our room while complaining about his bad back before brushing his teeth and saying, so we doing this or what? (laughs) Yes, we are, baby. (laughs) When you're married with children, searching for an all-inclusive vacation on Groupon is the hottest foreplay there is. And the last one... Is this married people foreplay leaving hints on the Alexa grocery list? Mixed ve- mixed veggie bag, Dawn's dish soap, parchment paper, bedroom sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got. All right, that's great. <laughs> yeah, we're just old. Can't, can't do it anymore. It's all true. <laughs> all right, well, thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you for coming back. We took weeks off. It was much needed. It was much needed, yes. That's why our episode's a little bit longer this time. So uh, send in your stories. We still need those. Podcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook. Uh, request to join the group. Rate, review, subscribe where you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.